Hi, and welcome to Under an Open Heaven podcast. We are glad you are joining us as we explore the reality of God's love expressed in Scripture and our own personal experiences. Thanks for joining us today as we explore the reality that we live under an open heaven. Enjoy! Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you back. Uh, Bear with us if we sound a little bit different. We've been having some tech issues, so hopefully we've got it all figured out. We're going to continue on with our psalm journey with Psalm 13. And it starts off like this. How long, Lord, will you utterly forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I carry sorrow in my soul, grief in my heart, day after day? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look upon me. Answer me, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes, lest lest I sleep in death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed. Lest my foes rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your mercy. Grant my heart joy in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. For he has dealt bountifully with me. So what are your main thoughts after hearing this for like the, what is it, the third? Third time. Third time, yeah. Third time. Third time. Third time's a charm, right? Yep. All right. <laughs> so the, the opening lines, um, I think, really jump out to me because uh, David's praying from his heart, a really, really deep place um, of pain and confusion. Mm. And I've experienced a lot of stuff like that uh, in my life. So his words at the beginning, uh, how long, Lord, will you utterly forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? I felt that too uh, at times. Yeah, that that's that's kind of what jumped out to me. What about you? Um, well, a lot of things. So just looking at all of this, I once again, um, apparently the Lord is not done with me yet because uh, this once again has hit me. <laughs> this is interesting. This is the psalm we've done three times. I tried recording it three times, and the first time was straight up raw. The second time. We did a lot of the same content on accident, I think. But the third time, this time, um, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, like, I have not shifted whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> so it, what's hit me once again is this, is this, the concept of his struggle, wanting to be heard, but at the end of the day, a commitment to trust. That commitment to trust for me is huge because I feel like I don't always do it. I don't always do it. And when I don't, I end up feeling hurt and broken. And I, I don't trust what the Lord is doing and that the Lord is good. But when I do trust in him, that next line follows. He grants me joy and salvation. And there's, there's an excitement in my heart, even when there is bad stuff going on. It's very interesting. Like It's like this weird cycle that I go through time and time again where something bad comes up and I want to either blame him or just assume that I need to take care of it myself. But the reality is, is that he's the one. He's the one who's doing miracles. He's the one who I should put my trust in. And when I put my trust in him, I receive the joy of salvation, you know? So that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm feeling. But um, I, I think it was super awesome 
the past two times we've done this recording, I want to hear your story again. Again? Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask. I was like, do you want me to go through that? that I do. I do. It's it's good. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So going back to what you were saying about trust, um, earlier this year, right around uh, the beginning of winter semester. So this is like the first day back. uh, After classes, I decided to stop by the Adoration Chapel at Holy Redeemer and spend about 10 minutes there. But, it ended up turning into an hour, uh, because that's just how God rolls. Sometimes he, like, yep. he, oh, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't work within the 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 confines of your expectations, which I'm really happy about because my oh, expectations sometimes are not big enough. <laughs> uh, so I I stopped there and I. This is the feast of the Epiphany, mm. uh, which is very providential actually for for the story. But um, so I was thinking like, oh yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about... <laughs> That's a new detail. I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was, uh, I think it was January 6th. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I was kind of thinking back to whenever the angel Gabriel came to Mary. I know that's not the epiphany, but it's a Christmassy uh, sort of thing that was on my mind at the time. And the angel had also come to Zechariah. And this is in God, the Gospel of Luke in the beginning. So, yeah, in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, uh, we have the story of the angel Gabriel visiting Mary and also visiting Zechariah, her relative, Elizabeth's husband. And the angel is bringing similar messages. Yeah. When he visits Mary, he tells her that she's going to bear the Son of God. Uh, he will be called the Son of God. And that uh, he'll be in great in the land of Israel. And so... Mary in her home in Nazareth, uh, imaginably is probably just in her room or in some place that isn't particularly holy, uh, but in the Old Testament standards. Yeah, right? in the Old Testament standards. It's yeah. just your house. You know, right. it's, your, it's where you're at. And uh, the next time the angel visits somebody, he visits Zechariah, and I think I think he visits Zechariah first because John was born first. Mm-hmm. But uh, he visits Zechariah in the temple. You know, the holiest place. Uh, known to the ancient world, uh, to the Jews. And Zechariah, I think, is right outside um, the Holy of Holies offering this offering of incense so they would burn uh, a burnt offering and offer it in prayer. And it was a, it was a great honor. So anyone who uh, approached the Holy of Holies or entered the Holy of Holies, they would have a rope tied around their ankle just in case they were... Um, they're knocked dead by the glory of God because that happened in the Old Testament. So, um, yeah. or or maybe they, they fell prostrate and, and were resting in the spirit or what have you. They just had a rope around their ankle just in case things went crazy. Just in case, yeah. And um, so Zechariah is right by the Holy of Holies offering this, this prayer and it's a privileged uh, position. And if you're going to see an angel of God anywhere, this is the place where it would be. And as a priest right. of God, he would have not been the most surprised to see an angel of God right next to the Holy. Right. And so as, as people go, he would have been mm-hmm. the one person to like, yeah, it would make sense that, it, that God would appear that he would send his angel to him at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And so the angel comes to him, delivers a similar message that he delivers to Mary that he's going to bear an old son in his age. Well, he's not going to bear it. His wife is, but I mean, like he's going to have a son in his old age. And after this, uh, Mary responds as well at when the angel announces to her 
the birth of Christ, she responds, how can this be? You know, I haven't known a man, biblically speaking. <laughs> like she, 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 she can't really have a child in, in a natural sense. So she's responding out of confusion because this isn't really, Correct. this isn't heard of at the time. Yeah, it's only happened once in history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Mary responding in confusion, asked the angel, how can this come? How can this be? Then he explains it to her. And then when the angel leaves, she, the, the Holy Spirit overshadows her and she conceives and bears the son of God in her. Mm-hmm. But whenever the angel announces uh, the uh, birth of John the Baptist to Zechariah, Zechariah is responding in a different way. So yeah. like the birth, like having a son in your old age has is precedent has precedence throughout the it entire happens a lot. Old Testament. Yep. Most obviously like with Abraham. Abraham and, so, and Samson and yeah. all those other fun- uh Samuel. Yeah. Samuel. Yeah. His and, and, and it wasn't unusual for angels to be involved in that either. Right. Right. Um, so whenever uh he's given that message, he responds in a similar way to Mary, but knowing what he knows and having this be something that isn't impossible. He says, how do I know that this is going to happen? And here he is in the Holy, like right outside the Holy of Holies, face to face with an angel. And he's asking, how, do, how do I know? Yeah. What's the proof? What do you, <laughs> like, like how? And um, so he was, he was responding out of doubt there and the angel silences him. He makes him mute. So, uh, so words of doubt can't really come out of his mouth anymore. And so yeah. Angel Gabriel leaves. Uh, Zechariah comes out mute. And people are like, oh, he's seen an angel. Uh, yeah. Right. They know. <laughs> yeah, they, they figured it out pretty quick. Um, so eventually Mary, uh, she's pregnant and Elizabeth's pregnant. And Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. And uh, whenever they greet each other, Mary says Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she proclaims the greatness of the Lord mm-hmm. and her spirit rejoices in God, her savior. She gives yeah. this beautiful prayer called the Magnificat to us also the, known as the Canticle of Mary. Right. And, and isn't it interesting how, uh, Zechariah was mute, couldn't speak. Mm-hmm. And Mary proclaimed mm-hmm. the greatness of the Lord. Yeah. You know, this is the difference between doubt and trust, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And whenever they live it <laughs> an important note, whenever the angel left, it said that she pondered these things in her heart. Yeah. It, it didn't say she doubted or she was anxious. She pondered it. Pondered, yeah. Um, so she was reflecting on what God was doing in her life. And um, so whenever she came and visited, visited Elizabeth, and, you know, so John is older than Jesus. So he was conceived first. Mm-hmm. So uh, for, for Zechariah to hear this happening, hear uh, a relative of his coming and relaying a similar message about God doing amazing things, going to redeem his people and uh, things that he had heard, not just as a scholar and having known scripture and all this stuff. He heard it from an angel and he couldn't say anything about it. He couldn't tell anybody his experience, at least not in great detail. Um, So he's probably having to ponder all of that in his heart. He's forced to. He can't say anything. So he's becoming a lot like Mary in in this Mm -hmm. process. And so as... The time as time goes on and it, and John is born, um, usually the father names his son. Mm-hmm. Usually the father names their child and the family and stuff like that. And 
Elizabeth wanted to name him John, but people were like, ah, we don't know. That's not really like a family name. So why, why, why John? Then finally Zechariah gets his voice back and he speaks and he fulfills the promise of God. He says his name will be John. So whenever he sees the goodness of God, whenever he pondered in his heart for a really long time what God was doing uh, and grew in trust of God, he finally uh, could speak. He finally could proclaim God. And right after he names John, it said he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did he do? He prophesied and prayed and praised God. And this is the canticle of Zechariah. Yep. So the Holy Spirit, the okay, if you want the Holy Spirit to work in your life, the best thing you could possibly do is get over yourself and trust God. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And then the next thing that I want to pull from that, and this is this actually just hit me, mm-hmm. is that Zechariah didn't trust at first, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But then he did. Yeah. But then he did. And then this, let's pull this back to the psalm here real quick. Psalm 13. But I trust in your mercy. Mm-hmm. Regardless. But I trust in mm-hmm. your mercy. Yeah. You know, it's not just the trust. It's not just the mercy. It's both together working. And that is what spills out and, and brings about the joy. Mm-hmm. That brings about the ability to prophesy in, in power and in accuracy within unison of the Holy Spirit, you mm-hmm. know. Oh my goodness. I love it. And yeah. So like whenever I read that, whenever I was like praying with this, when I was in the adoration chapel, I was asking God a whole bunch of questions. And he said, like, listen, don't respond out of doubt with me. Just trust me. Yeah. Like literally I will, (laughs) I will do like wonders in your life. All you got to do is trust me. Mm -hmm. And it's easily said, difficult, difficultly done. Oh, right. Like uh, trusting God is one of the most difficult things. And, um, but it's the most rewarding thing of all. Mm-hmm. And having that be the persistent uh, and consistent thing in your life is ultimately what will make you holy, what will help you participate in God's plan for you and yeah. your uh, and his plan for other people in your life. Going back to the psalm, there are like three sections in this psalm. Uh, the first one is just sort of a, a cry of the heart, a complaint, more or less. Mm-hmm. How long, Lord, will you utterly forget me? Um, how long will you hide your face from me? Uh, must I carry sorrow in my soul, grief in my heart day after day? And the second part is a cry to God to witness him, to, right. to look upon him. It says, look upon me, answer me, Lord God. Give yeah. light to my eyes. And uh, this is, if, I think this is a good model for like it, crying out to God. Yes. Yeah. I think it's just a good model for us to acknowledge our humanity as well. Right. right? So number one, like we need to acknowledge how we feel. Um, and I don't know about you, but my background is white European American, which mm-hmm. means culturally, most of us have this tendency to like not want to feel things and we kind of numb ourselves out. Um, and this is my experience. This is something that I've had to work through. Um, but this almost been like incredibly healing for me. It's like, oh, I can't actually complain at God. Like, David, it's in scripture, right? Like, it's all throughout it. Like, even even the songs of praise, like there's moments where like David and or whoever, and it's mostly David, but the the prayer is I have a complaint and I just want you to hear that I'm complaining. I'll get over this in a second. Just like, let me complain. Let me vent to you because you can handle it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, 
And I think that's super important that we need to acknowledge the fact that I need to, I need to acknowledge that I'm feeling something in order to move on. The second thing is I need to be seen by my father. My identity comes from that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I am rooted in the fact that I am seen by the one who created the heavens and the earth. I am seen by the one who sacrificed himself in order that I might be saved. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this is huge. I don't know. And it, like, I don't know if it's just because like in marriage, my understanding of the idea of what it means to be seen is like growing, you know, but um, I, I would say that being seen is huge. Being understood is huge. Like, even if I know that my feelings are like essentially just feelings and they're kind of like out of the, out of just no, nowhere, like I just feel angry or I just feel sad or whatever it is. I just want to be heard and respected in that. And then I can easily move on into joy. If I'm not seen in that, if I'm not understood, it's really hard for me to move on. Mm -hmm. And it's so very interesting. I mean, this is a pretty short psalm. Yeah. And very clearly, we just by the fact that it's short, we have this understanding that David complains, is heard, is seen, and can move on very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, not just ending, the psalm doesn't just end in trust. What does he say in the last uh, last bit? He has dealt bountifully with me. The line before. <laughs> oh, that one. I will sing to the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I will sing to the Lord. Yeah. If you, like... Like taking that line out of context is not, it's probably not the best thing. Cause like read what happened before, read what he was saying before. Um, all, all of his complaints, all of his concerns, like, does it really sound like he wants to sing? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so like he, he, he decides to sing and trust anyway. And that's, yeah. that's something that I kind of struggle with. There are sometimes that when singing brings me out of the deepest funk. Yeah. I don't know if it makes any sense. Like, Oh, that makes like absolute sense. The mo- yeah. The moments where you're just like, I really don't feel like it. Not today. But, but then you choose to do you it. You choose to. Yeah. It just changes everything. Uh, At least for me, it's like I'm singing from such a raw, just raw place. And it's, I, I mean, like I like spontaneous prayer just flows naturally. Um, I feel like I am more open to letting the Holy Spirit sing through me in praise and glory to to the Lord because mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, there, there's something a lot more raw there and a lot more almost like, okay, I made the decision that I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I've decided I'm going to, but I know I don't have the capacity to do it well. So I need you to fulfill it. Yeah. You know, it's like, whoa, that changes. That's a game changer. So I know what you mean. Exactly. Like singing to the Lord when you don't want to, mm-hmm. that's, that is a game changer. And it shifts, at least for me, it shifts my perspective, how I see my problems, how I see myself, how I see the Lord, mm-hmm. that, that is huge. It's interesting. Like the problems don't change, yeah. but my perspective of God has. Yeah. And th- there's, it's not just a spiritual thing going on. I mean, like when we, when we talk about uh, how, how sp- our spirituality interacts with our physical nature, mm-hmm. there's not a very strict line, but physiologically speaking, there's a lot of endorphins and neurotransmitters that are associated with positive emotions like dopamine. Right. Uh, those are released whenever you sing. It's a strange sort of a thing. Like uh, physical activity is actually triggering a mood change. Hmm. That's one of them, which is weird. It to is think weird. about Like animals, I mean, like besides birds, but birds chirp for different reasons. I've never heard of dogs sing to improve its own mood. 
um, or anything like that. But that's that's a very interesting physiological thing um, yeah. to happen. In that being tied to the spiritual uh, uh, action of choosing to praise God anyway. I mean, that's right. what Job arrived at. And if you've right. ever read his story, it's not a great, it's, it's not a pretty it is story. A, it's a doozy. Yeah. It's it, a doozy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Also, I want to, I want to share another story with you about, about that, just to like kind of highlight this a little bit better. Um, but a family friend of Gabby and mine, um, mm-hmm. my wife and I, uh, there we were like going through it for a walk and their son got into something or other and he was like developing a, a very bad rash and earlier that day he got into something where i think he got hit in the face and he got to start getting a black eye and i mean like this kid is like maybe he's pretty young i think he's around six or seven mm-hmm. i could be completely wrong mm-hmm. oh my goodness if i'm wrong i'm very sorry anyway um but like he's at this point he's gotten scratched again he's gotten this like rash that's starting to come up and so he's like on the verge of tears. And I, 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 I stopped him and I said, Hey, do you want to pray real quick? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> like all sad and stuff. So I pull him off a little bit off to the, the side of the trail and I just start praying, just praying like words of no, no, I, I take that back before I started praying with him. I just asked him to like share how he felt. Mm-hmm. And he was like, kind of struggled with it at first, but then I kind of like, encouraged it along and he was able to explain like i feel like the world is against me mm. you know and then i told him i said do you know who you have in your heart and he's like jesus and i said yeah jesus and do you know who he conquered do you know who jesus conquered satan yes you know who else he conquered the world jesus conquered the world so whenever you feel like the world is conquered is like trying is against you jesus has conquered the world and Jesus is in you. And he's like, Oh, and immediately, immediately, it just cracks me up every time I think about it, like complete shift of perspective and how he approached his problems, his suffering. And I prayed with him after that. And like the swelling didn't really go down that much. Like maybe like the redness went down, like maybe like one degree or something like that, you know? And I tried to see later on, it didn't look like it was getting that much better anyway, but like the boy was happy. You know, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. like this is this is what happens when we choose to trust, when we choose to love God, and in, in our struggles, is that He comes and just takes this huge burden that we can't carry and carries it for us yeah. with us. Yeah, yeah. I think that 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 could honestly lead into another conversation of just like the nature of suffering. Suffering isn't. Uh, dependent upon how we are physically in this moment it's our attitude about pain right so um i feel like i've had conversations with friends about that before <laughs> it's the nature of suffering. not gonna get into that but i'll um, say that for another time oh yeah that's definitely a different conversation but uh i think that's important like like uh, we we don't have to suffer like like pain is is something that christ conquered too and also he experienced right so pain is not something that is evil it's mm-hmm. something that can actually make you holier, depending on how you uh, approach it in faith. Right. So uh, pain it, can also just be a good thing, like remembering that the stove is hot. Droll sort of like uh, reaction to pain, but I mean, like like 
uh, a psychological approach to pain. Like God, right. Jesus has given us the the means to know that pain is not the end of our existence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by, or even that our existence is to avoid pain. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I don't mean to put you out of business, but <laughs> who out of business? Ibuprofen. Ibuprofen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man. Um, don't sue me. <laughs> so uh, I think we can wrap it up. Yeah, we can wrap it up. We can wrap it up. This one. Yeah. So even even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of all of this, our Lord is good, and we receive joy and the salvation of of having having just opened up to us. Mm-hmm. Like heaven's perspective invades our mind when we trust. Maybe invade but it might not be the best thing, but it does conquer the doubts and the fears and everything else. And I guess that's what I'm coming from, uh, coming from is is that there's an invasion that happens from heaven into our hearts, our heaven into our minds, where we go from thinking as the world does and being conquered. And rather than being like crushed underfoot, our God, who is so good, raises us up back past our original dignity. And he, he's dealt bountifully with us. Mm-hmm. Oh, he just blesses us. It's so good. So with that, I want to encourage you, uh, your challenge for this week. And I want you to sit in silence for five minutes each day. Acknowledge how you're feeling. Let God see you in that. But then choose to trust Jesus. So five minutes a day, I want you to go through this little process If it helps you read scripture, read Psalm 13. Um, Otherwise, sit in silence and just enjoy the goodness of the Lord because he does not disappoint. So with that, we're going to sign off and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening and God bless. Bye.